Welcome to the Idaho Debates. Tonight, the Republican primary candidates for Attorney General. The Idaho Debates is organized by these partners. Funding provided by the Friends of Idaho Public Television, the Idaho Public Television Endowment, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hello and welcome to the Idaho Debates at the Idaho Public Television Studios. This is the first of three debates we're hosting before the May 17th primary election. Tonight, the three Republican candidates for Attorney General take the stage to ask for your vote. The Attorney General defends Idaho laws in court. They sit on the state land board and oversee deputy attorneys general who provide legal representation to Idaho state agencies. The winner of the Republican primary will face Democratic candidate Stephen Scanlon in the general election. I want to welcome the candidates, Art McOmer, Raul Labrador, and Lawrence Wasden. Arthur McOmer is an attorney in Coeur d'Alene specializing in land use law. He has taught law at North Idaho College and Gonzaga University's School of Law. Former Congressman Raul Labrador is currently an attorney practicing in Nampa. Prior to representing Idaho's Congressional District 1 for four terms, he was in, Idaho State, in the Idaho State House of Representatives. Attorney General Lawrence Wasden is seeking his sixth term in office. Prior to being elected as Attorney General, he worked in the AG's office for 10 years. I also want to, do, want to introduce our panel of reporters who will ask the candidates questions. Morgan Romero of KTBB, Keith Riddler of the Associated Press, and James Dawson of Boise State Public Radio. I'm Melissa Davlin, host of Idaho Reports here on Idaho Public Television. I'm moderating tonight's debate. Reminding the candidates how long they've been talking is Macy Utech, volunteer timekeeper from the League of Women Voters. Each candidate will be given 90 seconds for opening comments and 60 seconds for closing statements. We drew numbers a few minutes ago to determine the order and Mr. Makomer, you have that honor. Thank you, Melissa. I wanna thank everyone really behind the scenes at KTVB for being here tonight. This is a huge undertaking. My name's Art Mackember. I'm the only candidate running for Idaho Attorney General not beholden to special interests and qualified to fight for Idahoans as the Attorney General. I'm a 15-year civil litigator who stepped out of the courtroom and into this race because Idaho's in trouble. The unthinkable happened during the COVID lockdowns. Our basic civil rights were criminalized, including our rights to bodily autonomy, worship, and assembly. Your incumbent attorney general was the only constitutional officer with the power to stop this criminalization, but he failed to protect the people. He's corrupted by 20 years of cozy relationships with the political insider class. Mr. Wasden must go. My other opponent, the legislator turned lobbyist, has neither the independence nor the experience to stop the inevitable abuse of your civil rights next time. This establishment candidate will provide lackluster job performance as he prepares for his 2026 gubernatorial bid. I'm the only candidate with the independent legal judgment and the skills to get Idaho back on a constitutional footing. I wrote Idaho's constitutional amendment in 2018 limiting the power of the executive branch. If I had been Idaho's attorney general over the past 15, over the past two years, I would have joined the Texas versus Pennsylvania election integrity suit and I would have sued Brad Little after the second renewal of his emergency proclamations. It's time to stand up and be counted, Idaho. This May 17 is the election of the outsider. It's time to put the insiders out. Thank you so much, Congressman Labrador. 
Thank you. It's great to be with you on uh, Idaho Public TV. It's great to be with the audience tonight. Tonight you're going to hear two different visions of the job uh, for Attorney General. We have an incumbent who's been in the office for 30 years, 10 years as a deputy and 20 years as, a, uh, as, as the elected Attorney General. And he believes that his job is to represent the bureaucracy of Idaho and he believes that his job is to represent the government of Idaho but he doesn't think that his job is to represent the people of Idaho. I believe the job of the Attorney General is to represent the people of Idaho. Article 1, Section 2 of the Idaho Constitution states that our government is instituted for the equal protection and the benefit of the people of Idaho, and that's what I want to do as your Attorney General. I have been a congressman for eight years in Washington, D.C. I have been a state representative for four years. In Washington, D.C., I fought for your rights. I fought for your liberty. I was one of the founding members of the Freedom Caucus with people like Ron DeSantis, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows. I fought for immigration reform. I fought for the things that the people of Idaho want. I fought for the values of Idaho. When you need an attorney general in the state of Idaho who understands that his job, his number one responsibility, is to fight for the liberty and the freedom and the people of Idaho. Thank you. Attorney General Wasden. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> my name is Lawrence Wasden. I'm your constitutional conservative attorney general. I'm running for re-election and I ask for your vote. I defend the Constitution no matter what. The Attorney General is not a policymaker, so I'm not here to extol my so-called policy accomplishments. The Office of the Attorney General is about the rule of law, not the rule of loophole and not the rule of wiggle room. The rule of law means all of us, including the Attorney General, are bound by the law. The law specifically says and requires me to represent the state and the agencies of state government. That means I represent all the people collectively, not just the chosen few. Under the law, I don't represent conservatives, liberals, or moderates. Either we believe in the rule of law or we don't. I read the Constitution and do what it says. I read the law and do what it says. I have and will continue to uphold the Constitution even when it's not politically popular, like in Texas versus Pennsylvania. Sovereignty is not just a word to me. Nearly alone, I defended Idaho's sovereignty when others bent to the prevailing political winds. I pushed back on federal overreach by filing legitimate lawsuits, not those intended to simply get my face on Fox News. Facts and law determined the cases to join. I vigorously am defending Idaho's heartbeat bill and the Second Amendment I've been endorsed by the NRA. I ask for your vote. Thank you so much. The first question tonight is coming from Keith Riddler. Mr. McComber, um, you specialize in real estate law and you've never held public office. Why are you seeking public office now, and a significant public office, statewide office, and what sets you apart from your opponents who also say they're conservative? Thank you very much for the question. First of all, I, I want to certify that neither I nor anyone associated with my campaign helped create or reviewed or has even seen or had any knowledge of the questions asked in this debate. So my answers are in response to my hearing these questions for the first time right now. I hope my opponents can join me in certifying this for themselves and their campaigns. Now to the question. The reason I entered this race is because Idaho's in trouble. I am a litigator. I'm a full-time litigator. I've done that for 15 years. I grew my law firm from zero to, well, zero, me, 
a solo attorney to six attorneys operating in three states. I've been to the state Supreme Court six times, and when you're a land use attorney, you need to remember Idaho is a common law state. So we go all the way back in the, in the English common law in Idaho to enforce our laws. And so when I saw what was happening with the COVID lockdowns and what the Attorney General was not doing, I decided to get in the race. I thought, yeah, I can do that job. Idaho needs a fighter. I'm a fighter. Let's go. All right. Next question is uh, for, for Congressman, Congressman Labrador. Labrador. Question for you. Um, you ran for governor four years ago and lost in the Republican primary to now Governor Brad Little. Um, do you actually want to be Attorney General? Yes, I do. I not only want to be Attorney General, but I'm going to be a great Attorney General. I think the people of Idaho deserve a person of integrity who is aggressive in the actions that they take against the federal government and against state government overreach. As I watch what happened over the last couple of years when we had an Attorney General who was unwilling to stand up to the governor, who just became a yes man to the governor, when the governor was doing things that were probably unconstitutional and were outside the law, and instead was providing legal advice to the governor that he could interpret the law in a way that was outside of what the statute said, I thought the people of Idaho needed an attorney general that would stand up for them. Because the difference between me and the current attorney general is that the current attorney general thinks that his number one responsibility is to justify legally whatever the governor wants to do. I don't think you should ever justify what the governor wants to do. You need to tell the governor what the law is. You need to tell the legislature what the law is. You need to tell the executive agencies what the law is. And when you interpret the law in a way that actually holds back the power that they have and, and ensures that the rights of the people of Idaho are protected, sometimes you have to tell the governor no. Sometimes you have to tell him yes. It depends on what the question is. But the reality is that for the last two years, we have been in a state of emergency in the state of Idaho when the statutes only allow for 60 days to be in a state of emergency. And this attorney general told the governor that he could interpret the law that way. And that was outside of the constitutional duties of the attorney general. Next question. Uh, general Watson, um, you're Idaho's longest serving attorney general. This would be your sixth term. Do you still have the desire to do the job? Absolutely. You think about the fact that uh, we've had a constitution in the United States for over 230 years. We've had a constitution in the state for 130 years. My job is to read those documents and do what it says. I still have the fire in the belly to do that, and I have a proven record of that. Um, by the way, <clears throat> folks um, who make the claim that they know what um, advice I gave the governor are, are incorrect. They weren't there. They don't know what advice I gave the governor. The fact of the matter is my job is to read the law as it exists, read the Constitution as it exists. I don't get to add words or, or take words away. My job is to give advice, and I don't usurp the authority of others to make their, their decisions. So yes, I absolutely have the fire to, to continue uh, providing advice to my clients and also to be the Attorney General. I find it fascinating that he keeps going around the state saying that he that folks are misinterpreting what he said. We don't know what he told the, the governor, but we do know what his office wrote. And they wrote an opinion about the state of emergency, and they wrote that opinion saying that you could interpret the state of emergency, the statute in the state of Idaho, to mean that it, you could go indefinitely 
on a state of emergency. So we, I don't have to guess what he told the governor. They actually wrote an opinion on what it's what their interpretation was of the of but the statute. But that's not really the worst problem from a from an attorney's point of view, because the the statutes are what they are. You're talking 46 1008 with the 30 days and 60 days that everyone was arguing over for a long time. But we don't know what uh, the incumbent told the governor. What we do know is he wasn't able to keep him within the bounds of the law. When you take millions of federal dollars under the CARES Act or otherwise and distribute it yourself without a legislative enactment, that's against Article Three of the Idaho Constitution. When the Idaho Constitution gives rights of faith in Section 4 of Article 1, the rights of faith are restated again in Section 19 at the very back of the Constitution. Here, I'm just, I'm reading the Idaho Constitution because that's our anchor here in Idaho. Uh, Article 21, Section 29, uh, sorry, Section 19. It is ordained that perfect toleration of religious sentiment shall be secured and no inhabitant shall ever be molested in person or property on account of his or her mode of religious worship. And Attorney General Wasden, I'll give you 60 seconds to respond. Thank you. First of all, it's really important that we take a look at the actual language of the law. 46.1008 says the uh, governor can issue a, a uh, executive order for 30 days and then another one for 30 days. What that statute does not say is what happens on the 61st day. You don't get to add words. You don't get to take words away. The question is, who makes the decision? It's the governor that makes the decision. It's not the attorney general. I would like to address the other issue with regard to the expenditure of monies. There is actually a statute in play, 67, uh, 3615, which says that when there are monies that are not cognizable at the time that the appropriation is made, which would be those monies, then, then, then the governor has the authority to make those expenditures. So there is a statutory framework. The Attorney General's job is not to make the Governor's decision. The Attorney General's job is to, give, is to give advice and then to represent the Governor. That's what a lawyer does. A lawyer then presents the legal arguments in defense of his client. He doesn't get to usurp his client's authority or attack his client. And we will have much more on the Attorney General's relationship with both the Legislature and the Governor later in the show. Right now, the next question is from Morgan Romero. Yeah, we're going to start with you, Mr. McElmer. Uh, you yourself just said that you've argued in front of the Supreme Court multiple times. Most recently in 2020, the Supreme Court didn't agree with your argument against the Eastside Highway District regarding property rights. Do you have the success rate needed to defend the state's uh, bills, proposed laws? What, what brings a success rate in the Idaho State Supreme Court is good facts. The law remains the same. And so when you bring the facts and the client says, I want to bring my facts forward and apply the law to them and appeal the case, that's what you do. Um, the, the important thing here is uh, the, the civil litigation process has that attorney-client privilege. And Mr. Wasden just mentioned the attorney-client privilege with the governor. Well, he took an oath under Title 59 to the Idaho Constitution. And so if he, if he told the governor no, you can't close churches because there's an Article One, Section 4 right of faith that these people get to go to church. You're going to have to talk them into it, okay? If he told him that and the governor disobeyed it, then he's still demonstrating he's not a good attorney because attorneys keep their clients within the law. That's what we do. Okay, when, when you know, it's not as if Governor Little is some kind of a meth head who's going to go break the law regardless, okay? That's not true. He's, in it. He's the governor of the state of Idaho. So 
he should be susceptible to reason. I believe he would have been if the arguments had been made to keep him within the Idaho Constitution and Idaho law. And Congressman Labrador, you took a break from being an active practicing attorney during right. your time in Congress. Uh, since returning, you've been a lobbyist, as was previously mentioned, for several different organizations and interest groups. Um, according to the Idaho Supreme Court, you have never argued in front of the Supreme Court. Do you feel you have the experience needed for this job? I do. I, I was uh, actually a trial lawyer the whole time that I was uh, practicing law. And then when I went to Washington, D.C., I ended up uh, working on the Judiciary Committee. I served on the Judiciary Committee for eight years. I was the chairman of the Immigration Subcommittee. The job of the Attorney General is to lead a group of attorneys. I had a law firm that had three lawyers, five paralegals, and we did uh, litigation all over the state. I never argued before the Supreme Court, but I've actually had cases before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. I had uh, cases before the U.S. Supreme Court, and I had cases before the Board of Immigration Appeals. So I've done a lot of appellate work, but that was not my specialty. My specialty was as a trial lawyer, and I was very successful as a trial lawyer, and I had a lot of success in both immigration court and the criminal courts. I have the sufficient experience that's necessary, and the most important thing that I have is the political experience. This job is not just a legal job. It's a political job. You have to get along with the legislature. You have to get along with the governor. You have to get along with the heads of agencies. You have to be able to make your argument to these people in a way that is not just legal, but it's also political, so they understand the ramifications of the things that are happening in the state. That's why I have over 33 legislators that are endorsing me in this race, because they're looking for a new attorney general. They don't trust the attorney general anymore. They don't trust his legal advice. Even when he gives good legal advice, they ignore it. And that's why the people of Idaho are suffering and paying a heavy price for it. It's time to fire the attorney general of the state of Idaho and to have a new attorney general in that office. May I ask a follow-up really quickly? Uh, how do you measure and track success if you claim success? So w winning is one of them. The attorney general's office loses most of the cases that, that they're, they're involved in. But uh, also giving good legal advice. You know, I, I hear a lot from people that, that uh, we don't need an aggressive attorney general because you're going to lose a lot of cases. Actually, if you are giving good legal advice to your clients, maybe your clients will listen to you. This attorney general right now has clients that are not listening to him. The, he gives them legal advice, sometimes good, sometimes bad, most of the time bad, but they don't listen to what he's saying, so they ignore it, and that's costing the state of Idaho a lot of money. So I think the success is being able to sit down with your clients and, and letting them know what the law is, what the ramifications of their actions are going to be, and hopefully preventing them from making bad decisions uh, that will affect the state. General Wasden, uh, you've been in the office for 20 years. Why should you stay? What you've seen demonstrated here tonight is the reason I should stay. And that is folks that, uh, that say, well, I've got 33 legislators who support me. Well, there's 72 who haven't supported him. How many are supporting you? I don't count them. Because they're not supporting you. <laughs> uh, that's actually not a, an accurate statement. Because you don't that's, have that many supporting uh, you. This is, my, this is my 60 seconds. Yes. <laughs> it's, this is my 60 seconds. You can continue. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much. You. There's 72 that said they haven't supported him. This is an office of 120 lawyers, 230 people. This isn't six people. It's not just a small staff. This is a, the most significant and largest law office in the state. The claim that we lose most of our cases is nonsense, absolute nonsense. We win most of the cases that we have. 
I have some clients that don't want to receive good legal advice, and they choose not to, and it costs the state dearly. Now, we try and help them to improve their legislation, but some of them just simply are unwilling to accept good legal advice. That's not my choice. That's their choice. Who are you referencing specifically? Members of the legislature, okay. specifically. Some of them have a vision of what the state is and has and can do, which is not correct. On one occasion, I had, uh, I had a, a legislator who said, we can do anything we want because we're the Idaho legislature. And the answer is, no, you can't. You're limited by the Constitution. That's a critical factor. Very upset with me over it. But the answer is, you can't do whatever you want. You have to comply with the Constitution. The, and the worst so kind this, of is, this is what you've seen is, is two insiders battling over who can get more endorsements from the legislature. And there's a fundamental separation of problems issue here, which has not been recognized, is that the Attorney General's office, the executive branch, should not be giving legal advice to the legislative branch. The legislative branch should have their own legal counsel inside a legislative counsel's office. If that occurred, then the legislators that make the bills have their own attorneys in-house, and then the attorney general can defend that later. And there's ways to do that. But now we have a case in the fetal heartbeat case where the, the Planned Parenthood people have actually cited to the attorney general's opinion in their verified petition to the court to say this is no good, right? And so he's caught in a conflict. We have to fix this in Idaho. My office will fix it. That will never happen under a Macomber AG administration. I'll give you six, 60 seconds to respond. And then we First of all, uh, that answer completely ignores the Idaho law. The Attorney General is bound by the law. Idaho Code Section 67-1401 says that the Attorney General renders a legal opinion upon request by any member of the legislature. I don't get to change that language. When I'm asked, I'm required to give an opinion, and my opinion is uh, a legal opinion. With regard to the heartbeat bill, Roe versus Wade, whether we like it or not, whether we agree or disagree, it is the law of the land. It's the law enunciated by the United States Supreme Court, and you can't sidestep that. You don't get to lie to your clients just to score some political points. So my job is to render a legal opinion prior to their passing. Once they pass it, then I, then I vigorously defend the policy choices that they make. That is precisely what the law now says. And the, I live by the rule of law. I follow the law. I obey the law. I don't just simply ignore it. And here's, and the, here's the precise problem. He has been the attorney general for over 20 years and in the office 10 before that. And it was in 1997 that they actually took the attorneys out of the legislature and put them in the AG's office. And so this is the problem. In 25 years, you couldn't fix that? You can't point to the law today and say, I'm good with the law today when there's been 25 years when you could have fixed it. And we need, we need to move on, but the next topic is on the relationship with the legislature. The question's coming from James Dawson. And General Waston, since it was brought up ideally in your view, what should the relationship between the Attorney General's office and the legislature look like? Uh, there should be a, a mutual respect. However, the legislature is the legislative branch of government. The Attorney General is in the executive branch of government. There's checks and balances on each side. It's not going to be a perfect relationship, nor should it be. 
my function under the law is to give them legal advice. And it is also to help them to try and improve their legislation, which we do. But you're going to have a certain number of them that simply don't want to receive that advice. And they get to make the policy choices. I'm not telling them what they get to choose. I'm giving them legal advice. They choose that. And then I represent the policy choices once they make them. That's precisely how the system is designed. It's no different from any other lawyer. A lawyer. Uh, my ha mine happens to happen in public, and that is I give legal advice and it's very public. I don't get to sit in a conference room and say, you know, here's what your choices are. They get to make their choice, whether they want to follow that advice or whether they don't. And my job is then to litigate on their behalf once that happens. Do we work hard on having good relationships? Yes. Is it perfect? No. And it never will be, and, it, and it, it's impossible for it to be. Congressman Labrador, Labrador, you said that you would be more friendly with the General Assembly. Uh, what would you do if a particular lawmaker or groups of lawmakers who you give advice to don't take it and they decide to run with whatever idea they had? So let's just be clear. I've never said that, that I would be more friendly. I'm friendly with everybody, but that's never what I say what the relationship with the Attorney General is going to be. What I say is that I would have a better working relationship with the legislature. So we have two problems with what the Attorney General just said. Number one is that he keeps blaming his client. The worst kind of lawyer is the, the lawyer that keeps blaming his clients for the bad relationship or blames the client for the cases that they lose. I think they have a problem because he keeps talking down to the legislature instead of talking with the legislature and working with them. But the number one issue that we have, and I noticed this when I was a legislator, was I couldn't believe that the Attorney General's office was actually giving legal counsel to the legislature and the legislative branch. I actually think that the legislative branch should have its own attorneys. I have thought that for many years. I proposed that when I was in the state legislature. And I think that they should have their own attorneys. But the best thing that an attorney general can do is ensure that whatever the legislature passes is written in a way that can be defended in the courts. And I'm just going to give you a simple example. In the state of Texas, we, they have an office of solicitor general. Ted Cruz was the te solicitor general for Texas. They were trying to pass a piece of legislation that affected the Second Amendment. Ted Cruz told the legislature that they, he wasn't written properly because they trusted him that, that the legislation was actually amended and it was passed and it went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court and it ex extended our Second Amendment rights. It's the famous Heller decision that extended our Second Am Amendment rights. If you have an attorney general who is trusted by the legislature, they will actually follow his counsel instead of constantly butting heads and trying to take away his funding, which they have tried to do, and take away his responsibilities. But the, the fundamental problem, though, is a separation of powers problem. You have a conflict of interest when the legislature goes next door to the executive branch. These branches are having adversarial relationships. That's the way the republics are designed. And so you need to understand that the executive branch wants a different type of law and thus their recommendation will be different for the legislature who is trying to exercise the will of the people. So just for an example, and, and this will be disclaimed at the far end of the panel here, which is fine, but an executive branch law enforcer, law enforcer will want there to be fewer due process protections. They'll want it to be easier to enforce. They'll want it to be more vague. Okay? If you talk to a policeman on the beat, it's the same thing. They don't like all these rules, but they have to follow them. And so we need to get some attorneys. I will measure what the legislative burden is in the attorney general's office, and I will fire those attorneys and take those positions and put them back in the legislature, work with the legislature to create 
a legal counsel's office for the legislature. That's what they need. Okay. And we have to move on. The next question is from Morgan Romero uh, for Attorney General Wasden. We talked about the relationship with the legislature. Now moving on to the relationship with the governor. General Wasden, are you willing to push back on Governor Little if he gets reelected? And do you have any examples of times when you've stood up, with, stood up to him? First of all, I can't disclose the times when I have um, given the governor advice, which he's not followed because it's a, covered by attorney-client privilege. But the answer is, under the law, I represent the governor upon his request. As, the, as his lawyer, when he makes that request, I'm required to, to keep his confidences, I'm re required to be loyal to that client, and I'm required to, uh, to make the arguments in defense of their legal position. Uh, we have our differences of opinion, and in fact, I, I can give you one which not is, is not covered by attorney-client privilege, and it regards the land board, in which we had a difference of opinion. Uh, I, ha I wrote a minority report on some of the activities by the land board, because we don't always agree, but that is not uh, functioning as a, as a lawyer. By the way, I would also mention that the legislative branch determines who and, and how I represent them. It's not the Attorney General who makes that, that determination. You can't just take part of your office and say you're now going to be part of the legislature. That's not how it works. That's a serious misunderstanding about how constitutional pr uh, principles work. In, in addition, I would point out that the Texas Solicitor General refused to file the, the Texas versus Pennsylvania case. The Texas Solicitor General refused to do that. Instead, it was filed directly by Ken Paxton himself, the, uh, the Attorney General of Texas. I want to be I, I, very clear, though, on this I'm, we're, point. We're put a pin in that. We are going to go next question to Congressman Labrador. Okay. Yep. Uh, you've been critical of Governor Little's policies, specifically. We talked about the pandemic. Uh, would you be willing to work with him if he gets reelected? Absolutely. I, I I will have to work with whoever the governor is, and I have to work in a cordial. Re I, I have to have a cordial re relationship with the go governor. And I'll just give you one one example. When I was the chairman of the Republican Party, I got a call from the governor's office telling me that they were going to change the elections from May till August. They decided that they were going to change the primary from May till August because they had gotten really bad legal advice from the governor's from the attorney general's office, saying that that was possible under their emergency orders. I told them that I didn't think they had the authority to do that, that they had to go through the legislature to change the dates of any election. They told me that the Attorney General had given them the advice that they could do it, and I told them to give me a second, and I called a few lawyers that were election law lawyers just to confirm what I believed that, that was bad legal advice. They all confirmed that it was bad legal advice and that we could sue. I told the, the governor's office that I would sue the state of Idaho if they changed that election from May till August. But as you know, this is the first time that I say it publicly. I didn't have to go grandstand. I didn't have to go on Fox News as I keep getting accused of. I didn't have to do any of those things. I just said, look, you guys are getting bad legal advice. This attorney general has given you bad legal advice on, on election laws in the past. And I think it would behoove you to actually follow what the statute and the Constitution of the state of Idaho does. They hung up, they call me back 30 minutes later, and they say, you know what, we're not going to move it. That's how you work with, with a governor. You push back, you tell them what the law is, and then you hope that they take the right legal advice. And that's the way I would do it as, as the attorney general. And that's what the people of Idaho demand, that you have an attorney general that will stand up to any overreach from the executive offices. Okay. And same question for you, Mr. McElmore. If Governor Little is reelected, would you work with him? Well, you have to work with all the state officers. 
But, but the primary fealty of the Attorney General under Title 59 is the Idaho Constitution and the federal Constitution. And so in this case, when the Attorney General and the Governor and the Secretary of State Denny in March 2020 decided to get rid of polling places and just go to mail-in voting across the state using the absentee ballot uh, process. Okay? This violated Article I, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution, which says the legislatures of the states set those rules. They didn't pay attention to those rules. The Attorney General actually helped them break those rules. And in my view, this is one reason why the Attorney General did not want to get involved in Texas versus Pennsylvania, because it would have been a case of pot calling kettle black. And they would have said, well, wait a second. Didn't you guys just do this in Idaho? The very thing you complain about Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, the other four states doing? The answer would have had to have been yes. Would you like 60 seconds oh, to respond? Absolutely. I, my, my colleague to my right here uh, has no clue as to why we didn't get in Texas versus Pennsylvania. The answer is that case violated the United States Constitution very clearly. And, it was, and that was uh, announced by all nine members of the United States Supreme Court who said Texas couldn't sue Pennsylvania. As to the uh, legal advice, again, giving the legislature, these two gentlemen do not know what legal advice we gave the governor. Uh, and, and again, we do not undermine or usurp the authority that the governor has. We discussed all these matters with the governor, as we should have. And the governor then makes his choice about what he's going to do. That's how it works with an attorney and client. You give them advice, they make their choice, and then you represent them in court when they get sued. You know, he keeps saying that his client is the governor. That's not true. The, the governor is, has his own attorney. The client of the Attorney General is the state of Idaho, the people of Idaho, and your job is to stand up for the people of Idaho. He also keeps saying that he didn't join the election integrity lawsuit because he was trying to s somehow protect the sovereignty of the state of Idaho. That's, that's just hogwash. The reality is that he didn't join the lawsuit because he had given similar advice to the governor that he could change election laws in the middle of the pandemic. And number two, he keeps saying this, and he says this everywhere he goes, that the Supreme Court agreed with him 9 to 0 that it was unconstitutional. That's not what the Supreme Court said. What the Supreme Court said clearly is that there was no standing, but two of the justices said that there was standing. So when he says that the Supreme Court was 9 to 0, that's absolute hogwash. It was 7 to 2 where they said that they had standing, and they decided that they were not going to hear the case. But it, the, the merits of the case were never decided. So for him to say that the Supreme Court said that it was unconstitutional, nothing in the Supreme Court decision says that it was unconstitutional. They just made a decision about the standing of the people who filed the lawsuit. And our next topic is on the state's relationship with the feds. Question from mm. Keith Riddler directed at Mr. McElmer. Uh, Mr. M Mr. Watson or Mr. McElmore? Mr. Watson, if you'd like. Mr. Watson, so, um, so, so along the lines of Idaho sovereignty, you've been criticized as being too passive when it comes to defending Idaho sovereignty. Should you be more assertive? Let's first of all talk about uh, the issue concerning representation of the governor. Idaho Code sec Section 67-1406 says that when the governor asks the attorney general to be his lawyer, the attorney general is his lawyer. To act any other way is precisely to, uh, to violate the law. Uh, and that is my duty and my responsibility. With regard to passiveness, we file lawsuits against the federal government when we have a legitimate cause of action. That is, the facts 
and the law. You have to have a law that's broken. You have to have the facts that carry a matter forward. Uh, it, you don't join lawsuits simply because it, you want to gain political popularity or have your face on Fox News. You have to have a proper cause of action to bring. We join when we have a cause of action. We sue the federal government. I sued the federal government over vaccine mandates. I've sued the government repeatedly. And the answer is you have to have facts and you have to have law. And you don't just join because it's going to be politically popular. You have to try and make sure that you have a legitimate cause of action. And that's what we do. Uh, Mr. McAmer, um, the question I asked Mr. Attorney General Wasden, how would you defend Idaho's sovereignty differently from the way the Attorney General has done it? Well, first of all, I think the, the Attorney General's office needs a strike force of attorneys who can respond rapidly um, to state and federal cases where Idaho's sovereignty needs to be upheld. And that's one thing that I will create in the Attorney General's office. Um, the, the March, uh, in March 2020, um, or I'm sorry, March 2021, Joe Biden said there will be no more oil and gas leases in Idaho. Shut them down, okay? To my knowledge, the state of Idaho did not jump in and say, hey, Idaho deserves to get access to its natural resources. Now, there was three and a half million acres in endowment lands given to Idaho at statehood. We're down to two and a half million now, and then 63% of Idaho is federal lands. Everybody knows this. But getting in to do the mining, getting in to do the forestry, getting in to get the cobalt out so we don't have to go to the Congo where they use slave labor to pull it out, those things need to be defended. Somebody has to aggressively do it. And so when you see an opportunity for a lawsuit, you have to initiate it, you have to join it, you have to somehow get involved. And you need to do it aggressively so that Idaho state sovereignty comes first. Idaho should always be first in these lawsuits. I frankly don't understand why it's not. Yesterday, uh, 16 attorney generals, starting with Montana, wanted Biden to resume presumption, uh, construction of the Keystone XL pipeline. Okay? Gas prices in Idaho, and I'm paying them for over the last year, they've doubled during my campaign, over four bucks a gallon for gas. All the Idahoans are suffering. We need that Keystone Pipeline. Guess which attorney general hasn't joined that suit? Idaho's. It's Congressman Labrador. How would you defend Idaho's sovereignty differently than the attorney general? I would just be a lot more aggressive. I, I think the greatest battles for the soul of our nation and the soul of our state are happening in the federal courts and they're happening all over the United States. And our attorney general sits back and he's either absent or late to every single or most fights that we're having in the United States. There's a family in North Idaho that has been fighting the EPA for 10 years. That family in North Idaho has been fighting and fighting and because the EPA is trying to tell them how to regulate their property because they claim that they have, they have, they're going to be controlled by the Clean Water Act. 21 Republican attorneys general have joined this family in their fight. I joined the family in the fight when I was in Congress and I filed an amicus brief on behalf of the family. The, their own attorney general, the Idaho attorney general, decided not to join the family in the fight. They have gone before the U.S. Supreme Court twice and they have not been uh, supported or helped by the Attorney General. These, this is the federal government encroaching on the rights of the people of Idaho, on the sovereignty of the state of Idaho, and he refuses to even lend a hand in cases like that. And I think the Attorney General of the state of Idaho needs to be a lot more aggressive and ensure that we're protecting. We also have something that we haven't talked about. 
the Ninth Circuit and the U.S. Supreme Court are much more conservative than they used to be. He still has a mindset of the Ninth Circuit and the Supreme Court from 30 years ago when he started in the Attorney General's office. The reality is that it's pretty good ground for us to start filing some lawsuits in the Ninth Circuit, and they refuse to do that because they're still afraid that it's the Supreme Court and the, and the Ninth Circuit from 30 years ago. Attorney General Waston, Hogwash. 60 seconds to respond. <laughs> Hogwash. We're not afraid to file lawsuits. We do it all the time. Let's talk about the, uh, the oil, the Biden uh, uh, approach there. The answer is we don't have any oil wells in Idaho. They don't exist. We do have a very limited number of gas wells. The states who joined in that lawsuit have major deposits of oil and gas. Um, that's not a function of what we did. The letter uh, of yesterday was not a lawsuit. It was a letter. With regard to the EPA and, and whether we join the family, recognize that problem arose when a certain person here was in Congress. That person says, well, I joined a brief. That's not what Congress is supposed to do. They had the opportunity to fix the statute. That's the problem. And they didn't do anything. Filing a brief from Congress is not what Congress is about. What have we done? I fought the, the, uh, the Obama WOTUS rules. I, I, I supported the Trump WOTUS rules. And in fact, we're on the latest with the family up north. So after 10 years, they're on with the family because I've been talking about it for six months. Again, he's either absent or late to every major fight. And let's talk about what we did in Congress. In Congress, I actually tried to change the law. We couldn't change it. The e EPA laws are hard to change, but we did try. He had an opportunity to actually join the family where, was, where he could make a difference for that family in Idaho, and he refused to do it. And he said two, a month ago when we were on a forum in Idaho Falls that he's going to join them now. Well, it's a little bit too late after 10 years that this family has been fighting the EPA. And I think now the family uh, has been, they already won at the Supreme Court one time, and they're hopefully going to win the second time. And what we need is an aggressive attorney general who doesn't wait till he's going for reelection for a sixth time but that he's actually doing it from the beginning when he should have done it 10 years ago. And I think, in my view, an aggressive attorney general would go after that oil and gas lease decision from Joe Biden because Idaho needs access to its natural resources. We have been cut off at the knees. Okay, where's our logging? Where's our mining? Where's our oil and gas leases? We know how to do this cleanly now. We know how to do all of these things and keep the environment in very good shape. And so I think every chance you get, you have to get out there and make that lawsuit. You have to get out there and make the case. You shouldn't say, oh, well, we don't have so many of those, so forget about it. No, they have to know every waking moment of the day that Idaho wants access to its natural resources, and we're coming to get them. The next question I, is I, from... I need, to, I need to respond to that. that. That's a serious misunderstanding about the distinction between federal and state government. We do have access on our endowment lands. That's just a, a mischaracterization of what hap what's happening. Not federal lands. What about federal lands? We need to move on. Next question is from Jimmy Dawson for Congressman Labrador. Uh, Congressman, you obviously manage your own private practice as an attorney. Yes. Uh, the Office of the Attorney General is substantial with 120 lawyers and uh, other support staff as well. Uh, do you believe that you have the experience necessary to manage that large of a workforce? Absolutely. Uh, when I was in Congress, we had 15 uh, employees who worked for us in four different offices in Washington, D.C., in Meridian, in Lewiston, and Coeur d'Alene. 
I constantly hired and fired employees. I worked with government employees. Obviously, I ran my own law firm. I've had a lot of experience doing that. I have plenty of experience. And I think anybody who uh, gets to be the Attorney General of the state of Idaho, it's going to be the first time that they're going to manage 120 deputy AGs. So I think I will do a very good job with that. And uh, I'm excited about doing it. I'm excited about revolutionizing and modernizing the office of the Attorney General. We, we have an Attorney General's office that is still living in the past. It's living in what's happened over the last 30 years. And we need an Attorney General's office that understands that the landscape in the United States and in the state of Idaho is different. That there's big battles that are hap happening in the United States, big battles that are happening in the courts. And we need to have an Attorney General that understands that, that can attract people. I already have young lawyers that are working in private practice that really want to work in the Attorney General's office for an aggressive Attorney General. These are top lawyers in the United States that work for large law firms, but they would rather work in public service because they would want to they, they want to do this service uh, for the people of Idaho. So I think I, I can do a very good job uh, as Attorney General. I'm excited about the opportunity. And General Wasden, uh you know, your own office in front of uh, lawmakers earlier this year mentioned that you're having trouble attracting and retaining those young lawyers. It's uh, turnover is nearly 20%. Why do you keep losing so many deputy attorney generals? Money. Right. That's why. Because the city of Boise can pay more than we can. We're limited by the legislature. And in order for them to make $20,000 a year more, all they have to do is park their car in a different parking spot and walk into a different building. The same week I and talked to JFAC, the legislature itself hired one of our attorneys paying them $25,000 a year more than the legislature will let us pay them. That's why. It has to do with money. Uh, and that is we're in a very increasing uh, legal market, and we have to have money to, to meet that. And in fact, the legislature saw that and gave us an additional funds to hire those very people. But do you think that you could do better to attract and retain, whether it's creative um, benefits or bonuses or something that uh, you can do within the bounds of the law and what the legislature will allow you to do? We actually do that already. And we are able to get uh, our bonuses earlier, our increases earlier because of the way we manage our budget. We're very, very effective at that. And the fact is that you talk to the attorneys in my office and you will find out that they are very supportive because what I create for them is an opportunity to practice law the way it's intended to be practiced. We're not afraid of filing lawsuits. We don't lose our lawsuits. We win far more than we lose. We work very hard and we give good advice to our clients and m the folks in my office talk to them. And they're very happy with the way we run things. And this, yeah, it's, Mr. McNamara. It's, it's a huge mistake to think that lawyers are so craven to only chase dollars and cents. It just doesn't work that way. If you have top flight thought leadership that understands the relationship of the federal and state constitution, understands the hierarchies of law, Idaho's a common law state, you can set direction with a group and you will have people coming to work for you and they will make less money and they'll be happy as a clam because every morning they're getting up and they're doing something exciting to restore the Idaho Republic to fight back against the federal power, to actually help us get access to our federal lands, to actually do good things for Idaho. And, you know, Idahoans have been hurt by these COVID lockdowns. There was a disproportionate, disproportionate effect on the working man. And the Ace Hardware had to close and the Home Depot had to stay open. Thousands of businesses were shuttered, okay? People are ready to work. 
you create the atmosphere in the office and people will want to work there. Next question is from Keith Riddler. And this is a, a question for all the candidates. The Attorney General has a seat on the land board that oversees 3,900 square miles of endowment land. The state constitution requires it to maximize the long-term financial returns on those lands for public schools and other beneficiaries. Uh, Congressman Labrador, how do you see the state doing that going forward? Well, I think we, we need to change the vision of what we're doing there a little bit more. Uh, the Attorney General right now only looks at things in short increments and makes decisions based on how it's going to be affecting somebody in, in a short period of time, whether it's five years or ten years. We need to see how we can maximize the profits from our state land so we can have more money for, for education. And we need to maybe reconsider the way that we're doing things uh, at, on, on the land board. We need to look at, at the many issues that, that are happening in the state. Should we attract more mining? Should we attract maybe some, some more timber harvesting? What can we do at, uh, in other areas? There's a lot of different things that the Attorney General can be looking at and working with the four members of the land board. Obviously, that's, a, that's not something, it's the one area where the Attorney General doesn't work by himself as the leader by himself. The Attorney General has to work with the other four members of the land board and convince them that there are more attractive ways to, uh, to use our resources and to ensure that the people of Idaho uh, have access to the resources and that the people of Idaho are receiving equitable uh, revenues from, from those resources. Mr. McAmer? Uh, this, this is, yes, this is a great question because the Idaho Land Board now manages two and a half million acres of land in Idaho. They have been very, very involved in individual cut decisions, cuts to take timber is what I'm saying, individual decisions. Now, there was a report that came out, and I believe it was 2016, but I could be wrong, that says that the Idaho Land Board ought to be concentrating more on policy and not so much on the individual decisions of what happens in the field. And there's, there's two other things I want to mention. One is, in my view, there is an inherent conflict of interest when the Attorney General is on the land board and then he's also giving the land board advice. Now, sometimes this happens in a corporate setting, but for a public trust, for the Idaho land board, I don't think it's proper. So in my view, the land board should get other counsel, uh, whether it's outside counsel or where it is, because the AG is a member of that board. The third thing is, in terms of maximizing revenue, that is what the Idaho Constitution requires. Idaho has the Idaho Prudent Investor Act. This drives investment decisions. It tells you how to be a good fiduciary for the assets that you control. It's not only the land board, it's, it's the penitentiary fund, there's various charities. Um, but we're looking down the barrel of something called ESG, where the, this environmental, social, and then the governance thing of the environmental and social is being asked to take place to help run Idaho decisions. I think the Prudent Investor Act is where we should stay, and I'm hoping any Attorney General and the State Treasurer sticks to it. Uh, Attorney General Wazin, your response? Yeah, we are already familiar with the Prudent Investor Act. That's how we respond. First of all, the, the land board's duty to obtain the maximum long-term financial return comes in two segments. 
first of all, it is to earn the money today because we have owe a duty to that third grader today. But it's also the long term because we owe a duty to that third grader in 5, 10, 15, 20, 100, and 200 years from now. So you have to look at it in both of those perspectives. And so we don't just look at five years or 10 years. It is the long term. Uh, and that is we don't make decisions on cut decisions. The only uh, decisions we make regarding specific cuts are when there is a clear cut because of the very public nature of that clear cut. Those decisions are made by the Department of Lands and the experts who have the ability to do that. The function that we have, and, and quite frankly we changed from more restrictive decision making to a more broad based policy decision making. The land board meeting was earlier today. The answer is that as the Attorney General, I'm just one of, of five members of that board. My duty is to obtain the maximum long-term financial return. By constitution, I serve on that board. By statute, I am the attorney for that, for that, for that board. So we've had 130 years where that hasn't been a problem. The answer is I have the same duty that the, land, that the Department of Lands has and that the attorneys have, and that is to obtain the maximum long-term financial return. That's exactly what we've done. And, and I've changed my, I personally have changed the conversation from what it used to be a political to the, the very specific duty we have to obtain the maximum long-term financial return. And that is all the time we have for questions. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, Mr. McComer, you are up first, 60 seconds for closing statements. Thank you very much, Ms. Davlin. And thank you, Idaho Public TV, for this spirited debate. I want to leave the viewers tonight with one thought, and that is this. I don't need this job. I got out of the courtroom and into this race because I believe Idaho's republic is in trouble. There are all means of forces entering Idaho intent on undermining our civil liberties, our churches, and even our families. In my view, the most disturbing thing that we didn't raise tonight was the sexualization of our children's school curriculum. The Attorney General occupies a unique position to stop this disturbing trend right in its tracks. As your next Attorney General, I commit to doing whatever it takes to rein in the educational establishment and to get our schools back to the constitutional purposes of education. Idaho needs a proven fighter in the AG's office. The choice on May 17 is simple. Vote Mackenber to fight executive overreach. Vote Mackenber to strengthen state sovereignty and vote Mackenber to uphold Idaho values. Vote Mackenber or suffer the corrupt Boise elite for another four years. Congressman Labrador, your closing remarks. So thanks for having us here tonight and thanks for the, uh, to the audience for listening to uh, this spirited debate. It's been fun, uh, but the reality is that Idaho needs a new attorney general. We have an attorney general who's been there for 20 years as an incumbent and has been there for 30 years as a bureaucrat. He thinks his job is to represent the bureaucracy of Idaho. I believe the job of the Attorney General is to represent the people of Idaho, to stand up for your rights, to stand up for your values, to stand up for the things that are important to you, and to make sure that we protect you from encroachment from the federal government and for, from overreach from the state government. I have been a fighter. I've been in Congress for eight years fighting for you. I was in the legislature fighting for you. And I believe that a more aggressive approach is what we need because the greatest fights for the soul of our nation are happening right now. There are three choices in this race. We've done some polling recently, and there's only one conservative that can actually defeat the attorney general. We're beating him right now. Those things are going to change. 
But the reality is that there's only one conservative that can win. I need your support. I need your vote. And I need your help. I hope you can trust me with this job. And on May 17th, you can vote for Raul Labrador for Attorney General. Okay. Attorney General Wasden. The choice in this race is very clear. You can choose the Idaho way or you can choose the D.C. Beltway. You can choose an AG that follows the law or one that thinks he's a congressional activist or a policymaker. I'm not running for Congress. I'm not running for AG so I can use it as a stepping stone to become the governor. I'm not trying to get my face on Fox News. I call legal balls and strikes fairly and squarely. I don't waste your time and trust by throwing you a curveball. I don't shade the truth just to score political points. Either it meets constitutional muster or it doesn't. My duty is to tell people what they need to know rather than what they want to hear. I'm the only prosecutor running in I protect our children from internet sexual predators and our seniors from scam artists. I've been endorsed by all former governors and former AGs. Abraham Lincoln said, put your feet in the right place and stand firm. That's my promise to you. That's what I've done. That's what I will continue to do and I ask for your vote. All right, that's all the time we have. Thank you to the candidates for your time tonight. Thanks to the reporters for the great questions and to our volunteer timekeeper from the League of Women Voters. The primary is May 17th. As a reminder, in order to vote in the Republican primary, you must be affiliated as a Republican. The winners of the primary races will be on the general election ballot in November. And if you haven't already, you can register to vote at the polls. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week. The Idaho Debates is organized by these partners. Funding provided by the Friends of Idaho Public Television, the Idaho Public Television Endowment, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.